following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We'll be reading together this morning from Colossians 1 verses 9 down to verse 17. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 17. Our sermon will be brought this morning by Brother Phil Perry, the title of God's Will and God's Way. Our text will be coming from Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might, be, might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the dark power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is the reading of God's word. All right, thank you. Oh, not to drop this. Good to be here this morning with you. Eleven years ago, Sarah and I made a decision based on a leading we felt was from God to leave the military uh, and to head in the direction of ministry. I was still in the military, I still had a little bit of time to go, but we felt very much that God was leading us to somewhere different. We didn't have an exact picture of what that was, we didn't know how it would all fall into place, but we knew that something needed to change, that we needed to to move from where we were to somewhere different. I had spoken about it with my pastor at the time, and the conversations that we were having were giving me more and more and more confidence that God had a position for us within the church that we were attending there in in Australia. In 2011, I deployed to Afghanistan for one last time, and while I was there, I continued to communicate with my pastor and, and continued to pray about God, what is it that you would have for us next? What's your will? 
I put in my discharge papers and, and came back from Afghanistan and I was out of the army. And for those of you, <laughs> Papa John, you're probably the only one here who have ever left the military, you know that it is an enormous deal. I was out of the army, but we felt confident, we felt comfortable with the fact that God was leading us somewhere else. We felt very much like God was leading us into our church, into the community that we had developed over the last six or seven years there in Brisbane. We felt very much this is where God is leading us. Came back from Afghanistan, spent a little bit of time with the family. I can't remember if we did a bit of a holiday or what we did. Uh, came back to Brisbane and, and called up my pastor and said, hey, let's catch up. Let's talk about what is next. I was excited. I was looking forward to it. So the pastor said, hey, let's catch up for breakfast. Let's have a chat. Got up that morning. I spent a little bit of time in prayer. Got into the I said goodbye to Sarah. And, and Aspen was very young at that stage. Connor wasn't, well, I think, I think you were pregnant with Connor. No, Connor wasn't even, wasn't even a twinkle in Sarah's eye at that stage. Still a twinkle in my eye. But anyway, uh, got in the car, drove down there. We had breakfast, we had some small talk, and uh, we started talking about what is next. My pastor said to you, Phil, I've been praying about this, and I don't believe that God has a position for you in our church. I think that God has something different for you. I was sitting there in my chair, he's sitting across from me, and inside my head, the wheels are turning. All of the plans that I'd been putting together, this perfect little picture that I've been painting in my mind, this picture that I've been selling to my wife of this is how life is going to happen, all of a sudden that picture fell apart. The dreams that I had came crumbling apart. I thought I knew the will of God. I thought I knew where God was leading me. I went home. I sat down with Sarah. I explained what had happened. We both cried. We both sort of went into this fight or flight mode. Well, what do we do next? My natural reaction was, well, I've made a mistake in leaving the military. I can call up my boss. There's still time. I can call up my boss and I can get back to the military. I've still got time. Maybe I had misread where God was taking me. Long story short, a friend of mine had called me up the week before. And he had said, Phil, uh, I'd, the week before I'd spoken to my pastor, he said, Phil, uh, I want you to come and talk to my CEO. I think there's I think there's a potential that you could get a job in our business. Why don't you come and talk to him? And I'd said to him at the time, I said, that's, that's not where God's leading me. I don't, I don't want to be in business. I want to be in ministry. This is where God's leading me. And I don't want to get distracted from ministry by getting involved in business. Thanks, but no thanks. Well, I had the conversation with my pastor, and, and within two days, 
of me and Sarah stressing out of our minds. I lost all of my hair in those two days. Sarah and I are stressing out of my minds and, and, and our minds and the wheels in my head are continually turning and I'm, I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? He called me up again and he said, Phil, I've been praying about this. I really believe that you need to come and see my CEO. My pastor had just said, No. And my friend is called up, so my natural reaction is, well, is this, is this just a temptation to lead me away from where God wants me to go, or what do I need to do about this? And I, I spoke again to this friend on Sunday, and I said, look, I'm, I'm struggling with this. How do I know that this is the right thing? How do I, how do I understand this? He said, just come. I've been praying. And I've been praying, and I've been praying, and God has given me peace that this is where He wants you to go. I went and had the meeting. Long story short, I took a job to move to Papua New Guinea. And when I took that job, the furthest thing from my mind was God is leading us to have a role in the church in Papua New Guinea. My mind was just simply... God, I need a job, and whatever it is, I'm going to serve you on the other end of that. This morning, I want to talk to you about God's will, God's way. I think that we tend to overcomplicate this. I think that we're looking for this light bulb moment, this thunder crack of, of hey, this is what you're going to do, and it's going to be awesome. And God's going to make you look like something incredible. And I think we are all waiting for this moment to occur. I think we overcomplicate it. So this morning, I'd like to take an opportunity to talk to you a little bit of the experiences that I've gone to. And this isn't about me. I want this very much to be what God has done. And I want to use some of the tools that he's taught me through people in my life that have helped me and helped my wife understand when God is leading us and how to react to that. So if you would, let's pray together and then let's dive into this topic this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you have a plan for us. And Father, that in that plan, you perfect us, you mold us, and you shape us. And Father, you turn us into the people, not that the world thinks we should be, not that we think we should be, but Father, the people that will best fulfill your desire for us. Father, people that will glorify you. So Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us and having a plan for us. I've had the opportunity over the years to speak to a lot of Christians, a lot of young Christians, a lot of people that maybe are 
struggling or floundering a little bit in where they are in life. And one of the questions that I like to ask is, so what's God doing in your life? What's happening? Where, where's He leading you? What's He taking you to next? Where are you going? So often I get the answer, well, well Brother Phil, um, I, I know God's got something for me. I'm just not really sure what it is now. I, I, I know that it's there. I know the Bible tells me that God's got a plan for me. I just don't understand. And right now I'm just waiting. I'm just, I'm just waiting for what's next. That, that question and then the conversation afterwards often leads me to be able to talk about my testimony and about the things that God has done in my life. And often it comes back around to the question being asked, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I understand the will of God for my life? And to be honest, I've asked myself the same questions and many questions over and over again. And I think it's healthy for us to ask those questions. I've asked myself, even in the last few months, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I, am I doing, am I living in a way that God wants me to live? What does God want me to do next? What does God want me to do next? Is my life pleasing to God, or am I just satisfying myself? And these are all questions that have gone through my mind, particularly over the last three to six months. And as I've gone through these, I've been able to reflect back on the lessons that I've been taught particularly over the last 10 years. So this morning I want to encourage you and perhaps give you some tools and talk to you about some of the lessons that I've learned over the years. The first one I've learned, and I think this is crucial to understanding the will of God in our lives, is understanding why we're here. Why did God create you? How can I understand God's will for my life if I don't understand why God even created me? So I believe it is crucial for us as believers to understand what was in God's mind when He created humans, when He created you when He created me. Isaiah 43, verse 7, gives us a good look into this. Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says, Even everyone that is called by My name, I have created him for My glory. I have created him for my glory. Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5, again we get a, a picture into why God created us. It says, make a joyful noise to who? 
unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. And the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be ye thankful unto him and bless his name. If you want to know why you were created, it tells you right there. You were created to bless God's name. You were created to glorify God. 1 Samuel 12, verse 24. It says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Serve Him in truth with all your heart. Just in case you're doubting this a little and, and those verses weren't enough for you, let's look at a couple more here. Colossians 3, 23, it says, And whatsoever, we heard this in Sunday school a thousand times, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily to who? Who are we doing it to? As to the Lord, and not unto man. We live to please God. We live to glorify God. We live to bless God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God. Let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. God created you for His own glory. God created you to display His glory. So in order for us to understand the will of God in our life, in order for us to understand what is it that God would have me do with my life, in order for us to understand the question, what's next, first I have to understand that I am created to glorify God. And once I understand that, once I have fathomed the depths of that, that my express purpose this body, this mind, this heart was created for one thing, and that is to bring glory to God, then I can start to understand His will for my life. But if I can't understand that, if I'm, I'm still struggling with that fact that maybe I'm just something that was created and the Big Bang happened, and all of a sudden all of us are here through evolution, I'm going to struggle with where does God want me to go next? I'm grateful that a loving God created me to glorify Him. 
And I'm grateful that that same loving God that created me to glorify him equips us and molds us and shapes us so that we can do that better. So let's come back to our, our, our original question, how do I know? How do I know what God's will is for my life? I want to glorify God. I want to live a life that is, that is glorious to God. But how do I know what it is that He wants me to do? So let me give you some tools, some tips, some points, whatever you want to call them this morning. And if, if you've got a notebook there, I'd encourage you to write these down. These are things that have again and again and again been instrumental in my life and my wife's life as we've walked through transitions. The first one I want you to see this morning is that if you want to understand God's will for your life, you have to be close to God. If you want to understand God's will for your life, you have to be close to God. I think this is where we often come unstuck. I think this is where we often deviate a little bit off the track. We know that in the Bible it says that, that God has a plan for us. Jeremiah says, for I know the plans that I have for you. And we understand that concept. We broadly understand that, yes, God has a plan for us. But where we come unstuck is instead of going to God and saying, God, I know that you have a plan for me, we automatically, and I automatically go, all right, well, what's the plan? I need to work out the plan. I need to figure out what's going to happen next. I need to figure out the different steps. I'm a planner. I like to know what's happening. If you talk to my people that work with me, Malong's here, the first thing that I get them to do when a job is coming up is to plan it out. Write a list, check it off, make sure you got everything ticked and clicked, and then as you go through the job, make sure you're checking back on these things. I'm a planner. And I like to think that, hey, well, if I'm going to understand God's will for my life, well, I need to know the plan, so I've got to figure out what the plan is. And the problem is we spend so much time looking at, well, what is the plan that we forget to look at our relationship with God? We're so focused on the plan that we lose sight of the plan maker. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. If we come back to that acknowledge, that word acknowledge there, it's to know, it's to know intimately. In all thy ways know him intimately, and He will direct thy path. If I'm going to understand God's plan for my life, I've got to be close to God. Pastor Matt gives instructions to the guys who are working in the yard, and he says, hey guys, I've got some stuff that I want you to do today. 
I've got a big list, I've got a plan for you. And the guys run out the door and they just start working. Well, we've we got to get stuff done for Pastor Matt. We, he's, he wants us to do stuff. There's going to come a moment where they're like, hang on a second. Pastor Matt didn't tell us what we have to do. Why? Because they're so focused on getting stuff done and figuring out what the plan is, they didn't ask the plan maker. And often that is what I've done in my life. And often that's what I think we do in our lives. We want to know God's will for our life, but instead of coming to God and trusting Him and falling at His feet and saying, God, I don't know exactly what was happening, but I trust you. Instead of doing that, we just start trying to figure it out ourselves. The start point for anything related to our spiritual growth, to our understanding of God's will, is our walk with God, is our closeness to God. Paul talks about this in his letter to the believers in the church at Colossae in Colossians 1, 9 through 11. A pastor read this earlier on. He says, For this cause also, we also, since the day we've heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, and unto all patience with long suffering, with joyfulness. It says there, be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now, if you're one of the young adults that's done Bible study with me, we talked about that word knowledge a lot. We talked about the fact that there's a basic knowledge, gnosis, and then there is a precise knowledge, epignosis, a knowledge that is born out of, that is built off an intimacy with God, a knowledge that is comes from being close to God. It's an experiential knowledge, and that's the knowledge he's talking about here. Be filled with the knowledge of His will. How do I know His will? Because I'm close to Him. I understand where God wants me to go next, not because I figured out the plan, but because I am close to God. Perhaps we're spending so much time figuring out God's will that we've neglected what is most important, and that is our closeness with God. I want you to know what God's will is for you, and God wants you to know what His will is for you. He wants you to walk worthy. He wants you to be close to him. And in doing that, he begins to show us what it is that he wants us to do next. But if we're not willing to get close to him, 
if I'm not willing to get have intimacy with God, and He's still trying to draw me in and trying to, to bring me closer to Himself, why would He then go, well, hey, this is next? Why would He then show us the next part of the plan if we haven't got close to Him here? If you want to understand God's will for your life, get close to God. Let me give you the second point this morning. If you want to understand God's will for your life, you need to surrender your will to God. If you want to understand God's will for your life, you need to surrender your will to God. Often when we are seeking God's will in something, what we really want is for God to agree with us. Let me say that again. Often when we are seeking God's will in something, whether that's a decision that we are making, whether that's something that's happening, we want God to agree with us. We say, okay, God, here's what I'm planning. Now you need to bless this. You need to bless what I want to do. We say that we are seeking God's will, but the reality is we just want God to tick off to approve of our desire. We want God to, to fulfill our dreams. We want God to fashion things the way that most suit us. And we say, we sprinkle a little bit of Christian over the top of it, and we say, uh, look what God did for me. Look how God lined this up for me. I still want to keep it Christian, but God, do it my way. God, this is what this is my dream. This is this is where I want to go. This is how it should work. This is what's best for me. And God, if you can do that, well, hey, I'll 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 give you all the glory for it. But is that the way that we're supposed to act as believers? Is that the way that somebody whose desire is to glorify God above all else should be thinking? Probably not. Sometimes I think we attempt to bargain with God. God, if you get me out of this situation, God, if you just give me a good mark on this test, God, if you get me into university, or God, if you get me this job, or God, if you, if you bring this girl into my life, or God, if, if, God, if you do these things, I'll give you all the glory, and God, I'll, I'll go to church more, and, and God, I'll, I'll pray more, and God I'll, God, I'll, God, I'll do whatever. Just please give me what I need, what I want. We bargain with God. Before God is going to reveal His what life 
or get, reveal His will to you, you need to just surrender your desires, your will, your dreams. You need to surrender it to God. Even if at this point in time you don't see the full picture. Listen to what Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 say again. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That means that when I don't understand, I just trust God. When things seem to be falling apart and they're not going the way that I planned, just trust God. In all thy ways, sorry, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You see, I like to have control. We like to have control. We like to think that somehow we have had some part in our own success. We like to think that our progress is a result of our hard work. We like to think that our happiness, that our satisfaction, that our success, in fact, the world tells us that your satisfaction, your success, your happiness is dependent on you and how much you put into it. We believe that we deserve something a little bit special. But God asks us to let go and trust Him. He says, let go and trust me. Because what I've got for you is better than you could ever imagine. When I was leaving the military and I sat down with my pastor, my dreams were only this big. And the dream of, of being able to come to church on Sunday and be involved in the services and help my pastor out. And I had the dream that our family would live in some nice little home and we'd have a car and, and it would be pretty simple. And God blew those dreams out of the water. I had no idea that God would bring us to Papua New Guinea and that I would be involved in a church like this. And I'd meet people like you. And I'd be able to be involved in youth and young people's ministries. And I'd be able to go on missions trips to different places. Yeah, I had no idea. And God says, put your dreams aside. Just trust me. Just trust me. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, this is a verse that we know well. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We tend to think of that word reasonable in the wrong way. We don't think about it the way that we're supposed to read it. We think about it like this. Let me give you an example. I went to buy a car 
and I looked at all of the options that are out there. I go, I want a new car, so I go out and I look at all of the options. I go and I look at the specs, I go and talk to the different brand owners, I, I talk to all these different people, and, and there's, a, there's a bunch of cars out there that I could get. And I settle for one that's in the middle. It ticks all the boxes, it's cheap enough that it's within my budget and, and I have a little bit of money extra, but I don't feel like I just got fleeced when I drove off the lot. And I say to myself, I've got a reasonable deal. It fits within my budget. It's not too expensive and it's not too cheap. That's how we tend to think about the word reasonable. But that's not how it was intended here within this text. Reasonable means logical, sensible. To reason with someone is to persuade them to act or behave in a wise way, a logical way, a sensible way. So if I look back at that verse and I read that again, which is your reasonable service, this is your logical service, this is your sensible service, the most logical thing that I as a believer can do would be to live in a way that glorifies God. The most sensible thing that I can do as a believer is to live in a way that glorifies God. To live any other way doesn't make sense. Why? Because of what God has done for me. He sent His Son to die for me, His enemy, to save me, to redeem me, to make me righteous, to accept me into His family. It makes no sense. It's illogical for me to live in any other manner other than to glorify God. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need to lay down my dreams, my desires at the altar and say, God, I want what you want. And I surrender my desires to you because what he wants is best. And it's logical. It's sensible. It's reasonable. Why would I desire anything else when I can have what is perfect from my Father? Let me give you the third point this morning. If you want to understand God's will for your life, obey what you already know to be God's will. If you want to understand God's will for your life, obey what you already know to be God's will. The Bible is full of verses that tell us, and this is the will of God. 
And yet we tend to ignore that and we tend to go, well, there's got to be that, that, that lightning moment. There's got to be that thunder moment where God goes, this is your job. This is what I want you to do. We look for those moments, but God tells us throughout His Word what His will is for us. Romans 12, 2 again, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the, your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As a believer, I'm not meant to look like everybody else. As a believer, you are not meant to look like everybody else. Our mind is meant to be continually being renewed by our closeness with God, by our time in His Word. He tells us right there. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I want to understand God's will, I've got to first come to God's Word and understand what God tells me. And I need to be different. Here's another one, and maybe this one's a little bit harder for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, good things, give thanks. And maybe you'd say to me this morning, Brother Phil, you just don't understand my life if you think that that verse applies to me. How can I give thanks in everything? My life is such a mess. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to please God, but... In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. And the only way that I can give thanks in everything... Go back to point one. Get close to God. As I get close to God, as my, my closeness with God increases, He begins to reveal to me what His plan is for me, and I begin to see the things that need to change in my life, and I begin to work on those things. And I begin to see that what God's doing is for my good and for His glory. And I look at those things and I go, Thank you, Lord. I know that you are molding me and you're shaping me. And I know that this hurts right now. But God, I trust you. Because it's good for me. And God, I can better glorify you through what you're taking me through now. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do what? His will. To do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ in whom be glorified forever and ever. How does God make you perfect? By putting you through the fire. How does God mold you and shape you? By putting you in situations where you have to depend on Him. 
But if I continue to just fight against that, God, I just want the easy road. God, surely there's a different way. God, that doesn't fit within my plan. I'm going to struggle to understand what God's will is for my life. Let me show you one more verse here, or one more series of verses. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 15, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There it is right there. God's will for us is to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against our souls. Having your conversation honest amongst the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme or the governors, as unto them they are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. With well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We do that with our lives. We do that by surrendering ourselves to the will of God instead of living the way that I want. I've got two more points, and these are practical points, and I know we're pushing time. But let me give you these last two this morning. Point four, seek godly input. When you are trying to figure out what God wants you to do with your life, seek godly input. Or maybe I could say it a different way. Surround yourselves with people that are going to draw you to God. Surround yourself with people that are going to draw your heart to God, that are going to draw your mind to God, that are going to draw you to God. Not to the problem at hand. Not to the plan. Not to your desires and your dreams. And they're, not, they're not there to, to, to give you wisdom about your dreams and your desire. They're there to draw your heart to God. Proverbs 11:14 tells us where no counsel is the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety when i don't draw near to people that love me and desire for god's will in my life as it says there the people fall i'm going to get off track i'm going to wander the wrong way there's also a warning in Proverbs 16, 22. It says, Understanding is the well-pleasing of life unto them that hath it. But the instruction of fools is folly. So we're not just surrounding ourselves with more people. We're not just surrounding ourselves with people we're comfortable with and our friends. We're surrounding ourselves with godly people. People that will speak into our lives and go, Hey, Brother Phil, this is a problem. You need to work on this. 
Hey, Brother Phil, I can see an area that you need to grow in. People that are willing to challenge us. People that are willing to correct us. And it's not easy having those relationships all the time. There's been moments in Pastor Matt and I's life where we have just wanted to be like, because I want him to correct me. But when he corrects me, I don't want to be near him. Yeah? You understand what I'm saying? But I need friends like that in my life. I need people like that in my life that are going to look into me and go, Phil, what you're doing is wrong. The direction you're going is not where you should be going. Hebrews 10.24, one of my favorite verses, says, let us consider, the word consider there means to know in detail. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Know each other well enough that when you're going off the track, somebody pulls you in and goes, that's wrong. Know each other, love each other well enough to provoke unto love and to good works, not just to provoke you to continue to fulfill your dreams. Let me ask you this question this morning. You say that you want to know God's will for your life, but the people in your life, do they provoke you to love and good works? Do the people in your life, do they challenge you to live a life that glorifies God? Do the, do the people in your life desire the best for you in view of God's best for you? Do they themselves desire to walk closely with God? If they don't, then look for people that will. Look for people that are going to challenge you to walk worthy. Sometimes understanding the will of God for you comes through the truth that other people speak into your life. And if I might just for a moment step away from this and talk about some of the people that have spoken truth into my life. I'm grateful for the people that God has placed in my life. My dad. My dad is one of those people in my life that if there was anybody that I would desire to be more like, it's my dad. My dad had a walk with God that was visible in every aspect of what he did. His testimony, his lifestyle showed who he was in Christ. As I sit here this morning, Brother Eric has had an incredible influence on my life. Over the years, we've gotten to know each other better, and Brother Eric has spoken into my life and challenged me. Papa John, Father John is probably one of the wisest people I've ever met and will ever meet in my life. And in his gentle way, he doesn't even need to wag his finger and say, hey, Phil. He just speaks gently into my life. 
Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt and I met, I think it was at our house in Lamana when he was flying in and out, or it might have even been at Shalom. And initially, I just thought he was some weirdo missionary from the bush. He's wearing missionary clothes. You know, he claimed to be this pilot, and we all know what pilots are like. Over the years, our relationship has grown, and Pastor Matt has spoke into my life on many occasions. There's times where I've sat in Pastor Matt's office and Pastor Matt's living room, and I've wept because he's spoken into my life. Let people into your life. Invite people into your life that challenge you to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. And when they challenge you, accept it. Pray about it. Weep over it if you need to. I'm ashamed to say that sometimes when Pastor Matt has spoken into my life, I've put up the wall. And I've fought against what he said. Why? Because my pride has come to the forefront and said, what right does that guy have to speak into my life? And God's had to humble me in those moments and go, Phil, you need friends like Pastor Matt, Papa John, like Brother Eric to speak into your life because they are helping you understand my will. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Look at the people you hang out with. Look at the people that speak into your life. And if they are not people that are drawing you to God, find people that will. Find people that are going to challenge you to be more godly. Let me give you one last one this morning, and then we'll close up. Use the gifts and the skills that God has given you to glorify God and to edify the body. The start point for me understanding God's will in my life is my closeness to Him in my relationship with Him. I surrender my will to God's will. I bring other people in my life that are going to challenge me, that are going to exhort me to be more godly, but then I use the gifts and the skills that I have to glorify God and to edify the body. God created you to fill a specific role of glorification and edification. Let me say that again. God created you as an individual to fill a specific role of glorification to him and of edification within this body. Each of you. There is no one else that can completely achieve what God could do through you. 
often we think of our gifts or as gifts as something mystical. Something that happens all of a sudden after I get saved, there's this gift that I get. Like all of a sudden I'm going to be able to play the guitar and I'm going to be able to be part of the worship service. Or, God, I want the gift of hospitality. So God, maybe you could just give me a big house so that I could have lots of people come in so that, so that I can have the gift of hospitality. <clears throat> or maybe, God, I want the gift of giving. Yeah, who doesn't want the gift of giving? I want the gift of giving. So, God, can you help me this week? I'm going to go and buy some lottery tickets. I'm going to scratch them. God, can you help me to have the gift of giving by helping me win the lottery? <coughs> Often we think of gifts in that manner, like I need something to be able to have the gift of. Until God gives me that, I can't have that gift. In my experience, the gifts that you have are already there. They're natural. <clears throat> Use those to glorify God and to edify the body. Some of you are gifted musicians, but they are not using those gifts to glorify God. I come in on Friday nights. Often I'm here before Katie gets here with the piano. And often there are people playing the piano in that room or in this room or playing guitars or singing and it's beautiful. And yet when it comes time for Bible study or it comes time for our church services, we can't find those people. God has given you a gift. Use that gift to glorify God and to edify the body. Maybe you say to me, but Brother Raphael, I don't know the songs that you guys sing and, and I can't read music and I'm a left-handed guitar player and this guitar is right-handed and the piano... Uh, stop making excuses. Use the gifts that God has given you to glorify Him and to edify the body. You want to understand God's will for you? Start by using the things that God has given you. Some of you here are, are gifted teachers, and I'm not talking about the teachers in our school. I'm talking about gifted with the ability to speak clearly and to study and to look through something. And somebody, some of you in here are gifted teachers. You have the ability to take the Word of God and to teach others from the Word of God. But you're not using those gifts. And I challenge you again, Use the gifts that God has given you to glorify God and to edify the body. Some of you are gifted in encouragement. Some of you are gifted in hospitality. Some of you are gifted with finances. When you seek to discover God's will for you, Look closely at how God has gifted you. Look closely at the skills that God has given you. Use those gifts to glorify God, to edify the body. 
God didn't give you those gifts for your own purposes, your own pleasure. He didn't give you those gifts so that you could look better. He gave you those gifts so you could make him look better. So where does that leave us this morning? Above finding out what God's will for us is, our desire should be to glorify him in all things whatsoever ye do. That should be my first desire. To glorify God, I need to draw close to God, and as I draw close to God, He begins to reveal His will in me. As He reveals His will in me, to me, I need to surrender my will to Him, and I need to trust Him. The path becomes even clearer as we seek godly counsel and as I am faithful with the gifts and with the skills that God has given me. Can I challenge you this morning? Yes, seek God's will. Seek God first. Get close to God. Get intimate with God. Because as I draw closer to him, he reveals in me what it is that he would have me do. Let's pray this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, Father, as we live our lives and as we look at the moments across our lives, Father, as we dream about what is next, as we plan and as we twist and as we turn, as we lay sleepless at night. Father, I pray that we would realize and that we would put action to drawing closer to you. And Father, as we do that and as you expose your will to us, the Father, we would surrender our will, our dreams, our desires and we would simply say, God, I trust you with my life. Because, Father, it is the only logical and sensible thing for me to do. Because, Father, in your love for me, you sent your son to die for me so that you could draw me close. So that I could have an a relationship with you so that you could fulfill your will in me. So, Father, tonight, and Father, this morning, Father, I pray that we would draw close to you. Father, we love you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Cardinal City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, Please give us a call on 7 one Again, it's 7 one